standing for Positive Communication Habits and Thought Process, today, May 10th, 2020. We are wishing everyone a happy and blessed Mother's Day. We couldn't be here without you, and we appreciate you. And oddly enough, or it's not really odd, well it is, it's odd, but it's also normal that I would be sitting here and today's guest star is going to be none other than Marsha Fields. That's my mother. Believe it or not, I was named after her. Yep, you just knock off two L's, and that's my mom's name. Mom, welcome to the show. Thank you, son. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, no doubt. You know, this Mother's Day is is probably going to be very unique for many people. Uh, many places across this great nation are starting to open their doors, and uh, a lot of businesses are starting to see folks in, uh, you know, see their customers again after a uh, nice little uh, hiatus there. And, um, you know, a lot of people who have been practicing social distancing um, are becoming more laxed. Uh, how were you affected by social distancing, Mom, during this time? It's really hard to say how, how I was affected. I just like everything else, take it in stride and do what I think is best for everyone. Well, I do recall you coming over to the house and I remember when it was the first time you had actually come over to the house after the quarantine had begun and you know, we are very touchy-feely people. You know, yes. we hug. I was raised to be totally comfortable with public displays of emotion. Uh, and, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I, I know that it has helped me in my marriage. It has helped with uh, our kids to let them know that it's okay to show that you care about someone. But this pandemic, uh, COVID, it is it's really... For those people who are touchy-feely or those people who like to, to hug and, and that's their normal form of greeting with their friends and family, uh, it, it definitely changed that a lot. I remember when you first came over and I wouldn't hug and I was like, no, we can't. Yesterday, we hugged each other for the first time in how long had it been? Oh, since the beginning. Since the beginning, so like early March. And it was March. A, my insistence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, come on, baby, I need a hug. <laughs> yeah, and you, I got it. You did get it. I, I couldn't refuse. I couldn't refuse. But back up a little bit. As far as you and your brother both never, ever stopped hugging me. I don't care where we were. In school, as a teenage boys. When I appeared, I got a hug. It wasn't no, and I'm looking around to see who's looking, like normally a kid would do. Oh, Mom, don't do that. I did not want you to do it. But I'm like, oh, look at him. You know, very few young men do you see just hugging their mothers. I never saw it. So when you all did it and kept doing it, 
it just warmed my heart. And even at church, when we have like a greeting period, I'll be in the choir, and both of you boys will come up to the choir and give your mother a hug. And that just makes me feel so very, very good and important to you. And I thank you for that. Well, uh, you know, it's our pleasure. But, you know, really, it's your fault because <laughs> you established such a nurturing presence in our lives that, um, you know, I heard someone say once, mother is the name of God on the lips of children. And when I think about the time that we spent not being able to hug each other, or really not even not being able to, but choosing not to, you know, it, it was disturbing. It felt so weird to not hug you uh, during that uh, period. So, you know, it's, it's become, you know, for me, it's, it's part of my DNA, part of my culture. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I feel blessed to, to, to have someone who I trust and love enough to hug and who wants to hug me. But also, you know, it's just that expression, that connection. There's something about hugging someone, even about a handshake, you know, being able to do that. Uh, you know, look someone in their eye, give them a handshake. You know, these are things that... Human you know, contact. To, human contact. I've come to appreciate that in the personal and business world. And, and on the flip side, I remember one instance in my professional career where I saw someone come into a room. There was about 10 of us at a table. And this guy went around the room, shook everybody's hand except for one person's hand. And no, no, he shook my hand. Um, but the guy's hand he didn't shake. I was, I was in the. It was early in my career, and I was starting to pay attention to emotional intelligence and how, um, you know, paralinguistics or body language, you know, how you could tell someone's mood. And this guy was in a horrible mood the whole meeting because he didn't get his hand shook. And he happened to be at the opposite end of the table. The guy stopped shaking right. Uh, before him and you know I don't think the guy thought anything of it but I know for a fact the guy who didn't get that physical contact that acknowledgement that handshake oh man I could just see it all over him you would have thought that the the guy paid him such a dishonor mm. and in many respects I, I can I can get it but long story short the whole point of that story is the denial of physical contact in certain situations whether it be a handshake or a hug um previous to COVID was such a big deal and it communicated a lot. Um, so if, if we think about now, uh, you know, we hugged yesterday for the first time in a long time and, uh, we hugged a few moments before we started this interview and, uh, you know, how do you think things will end up shaping out for people who are, um, you know, used to interacting in public, do you think it will ever go back to the way that it was? No. I don't think things will ever be what they were. will be because there will always be that fear of coming in contact with someone that may have it and don't know it. You know, that's always a possibility. But no, I don't think things will ever, ever be the same. 
and they're opening up churches now. But my pastor's like, take your time. You know, don't rush it. Because it's still there's that elderly population that's out there that still has to be worried. But at the same time, you know, you think about the flu, and of course it's a different strain and everything, but still, you protected yourself. If you were around someone that might have had it. So, I don't know, it's just going to be a different world. I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. Um, you know, I think that over time, I, I have a different viewpoint. I think things will pretty much uh, get back to normal. I know that um, we are... You know, we, we are in a uh, society that still depends heavily upon, so I think, I think things will get back to normal. I, I think that there's the potential for that. One of the reasons I think that is because we as a society still depend very heavily upon this thing called, um, social proofing and essentially what social proofing is is based upon making decisions off of what you observe the crowd doing so what i mean by that is if you were in a group there's in in their videos on youtube you can search this but there are videos where there will be like five or six people who are part of the prank and there'll be the mark or someone who's innocent, who's not in the prank, doesn't know what's going on. And these five or six people will literally take off, might even scream or yell, but they'll take off and they'll run past this person who doesn't know them, doesn't know what they're doing, and they will just run. And this crazy thing will happen. This person who's not in on the prank doesn't know, like birds joining a flock, run with them. And looking backward, not knowing what they're running from. And that's an example of social proof. Social proofing, in an essence, it's when you make decisions based upon the reactions of others. I think that there will be many people, many of which might have been either protesters or people who had thoughts of it being a government conspiracy or whatnot. Uh... I will think there will be people like that who kind of lead the charge on being in public and acting as if, you know, business as usual. And there will be some people that look at them and go, man, you're out of your mind. And then there will be other people who kind of fall in line and go, yeah, I mean, I feel fine. I've been out. Uh, nobody's sick in my house. Or we've had it and survived it. I was asymptomatic. Uh I might be a carrier, but I don't have it, and, you know, uh, I don't know, but I, I, I think that, I think that over time, people will go back, uh, it will take time for sure. That's my take on that, if it does get back, it will take a long time, because they're talking about another strain getting ready to come through. How did you feel when it had been months, and for the first time? You got to hug all your grandbabies. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> I'm like, come on in. Are you all coming in? Come on. <laughs> I, 
You even joked. You said, y'all, y'all afraid to come in? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I was ecstatic to see all of you and to be able to touch you. and <laughs> Yeah. Good stuff. Oh, goodness. Where's the baby? I just wanted to say, uh, you know, and, and it's cool that I am, we're having this interview in my mother's house where I grew up. Um, you know, I just want to say that I, uh, I definitely felt the separation of not being able to hug, you know, and touch. But it was also a nice reminder of the love that I was used to that I grew up with, and it, it really made me appreciate all of the times that I had been able to hug you. It really made me reflect on the value of what I did have in the past. Because if you ever miss something, it's because you had it. You're right. So I was thinking about, you know, having grown up and having had that love and then having had the the physical touch or that that. that the hug, just a simple hug, and that being a representation of the love. And now that the hug was gone, having to come to grips with the fact and be comfortable knowing that the love is still there. And then thinking about, I always think about other people, um, you know, and how they might be affected, putting myself in the shoes of other people. And then I start to think about the finality of losing touch. And nothing could be more final than the death of a loved one, you know. And I started thinking about people who during this time have lost loved ones. And then I started thinking about the funeral services and how they have been augmented to accommodate, you know, social distancing. And so that took a step further because whenever I think about mortality... I think about the beginning and the end and we begin as children and then and I promise you this is going somewhere positive I was in a store recently and I had a mask on and a young child and, and normally I interact with young kids I smile I play but this young child looked at me as I wear this mask and I instinctively smiled and the young child didn't have a mask on but they could tell through my mask looking at my eyes that I was smiling and so at the beginning of this I talked about paralinguistics or body language and on a hopeful note just by this one experience that I saw I believe that we're going to have a next generation, just like all generations are affected by major events, and I would definitely say COVID counts as a major event for ch children who are alive during this time. I believe that they are going to develop a higher level and a higher sense of emotional intelligence for those children who have been out in public and been around people with masks. Because this young child, through my mask, could tell that I was smiling and it was as if I had no mask on at all they could see in my eyes the joy and the friendliness and they smiled back and we uh, interacted with each other for a little bit and so that gave me a lot of hope 
that when this is over, there will be a generation of young kids who have a higher perception of how to interact with each other when we are in face-to-face situations. Because how we are able to communicate, whether physical, verbal, nonverbal, that will be the determining factor on how we're able to move forward. Because the biggest contamination that we'll ever have to deal with is the contamination that we have in our hearts. Amen. Mom, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. To you, Mom, to my wife, and to all of the mothers out there listening, I just wanted to say I wish you a very happy Mother's Day. And if your mother is not with you now, remember all the love that she gave you when she was. This episode was directed and produced by Marshall Fields with music and audio engineering by Chris Brigham.